0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 4 of Naked Data Science, the number one podcast on leading data science projects and teams in the real world. In this episode, Nima and I will talk about why you shouldn't only rely on existing methods to evaluate your work, what to do when you don't have evaluation data, what to do when there's no ground truth, and the importance of ongoing evaluations. Enjoy. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Naked Data Science. I am Hao. And this is Nima. Um, why are we going to talk about this time, Nima? In,
1: in, the, in the last couple of episodes, we touched upon the picture of a data scientist as a, who is a scientific problem solver, as well as some discrepancies that, that you see between what is maybe an accepted image of a data scientist and what is needed in the workplace, or sometimes what we are preaching as the successful data scientist. And maybe in relation and continuation of these two branches, we can focus a bit on the problem of evaluation and measurement related to evaluation uh, in data science. One of the, I guess, most relevant questions here is, how good did you solve a problem, or how do you know that, that you solved the problem? Of course, this applies probably in steps of recursion in when you uh, divide your problem into sub-problems, and for each of those, again, you need to know whether you solved it and how well did you solve it, was the answer good enough, and so on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a topic that was not very often discussed, right? Because if you look at the material you have about data science tutorial, etc., there has always been just like a um, given that, okay,
1: if you use this method, this is how you evaluate the outcome. On one hand, in very well-defined setups, like classification, clustering, and so on, you have uh, good information and maybe good amount of education and thinking about what, what are the metrics and what are their meaning and in which situations, which metrics are better. But when the tasks become a bit farther from that, become a bit different from from, from the well-studied ones, there's not a lot of material out there. And that, that's the case where you need to become the scientist yourself and think about the good evaluation uh, criteria, good evaluation KPI's or transform your problem to the, to the well-known problems and, and, and then translate your evaluation KPIs to the well-known KPIs. But maybe more than that, it's a mentality uh, difference as well, in, in the sense that a lot of the times we underestimate how difficult evaluation is. Although this is clearly the most important step in data science work, we, we are well expecting dealing with challenges and complexities of modeling and producing the data. And I also see that there's... a. Um, lot of good awareness now in the data science community about complexities and difficulties of the first steps of cleaning the data but in general evaluation is still quite underestimated and in many projects uh, the questions and the problems that you have to face and solve for evaluating your work could be the most difficult ones uh, you 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 do during the whole project
0: yeah i see i i I agree with what you say there i think it's even beyond Uh, the fact that usually is one of those things that you didn't plan any time for, right? You underestimate how much time it would take, but also if I look at just a very simple model, cleaning the data, the modeling work, building the model or the algorithm, and the evaluation part, actually the evaluation part requires a lot more interaction between data scientists Mm -hmm. and non-data scientists, understanding how the data is going to be used in the real world, understanding what is the intended impact, and come back to an effective way to Mm -hmm. evaluate the work. And I I really don't see this as being discussed much. I think a lot of cases I know there seems to be a gap between the um, metrics that uh, data scientists turn to uh, rely
1: on or or report
0: versus how that translates into the intended use or the business impact.
1: Yeah? Mm-hmm. The business impact is a very useful vision to have again when evaluating your work. For instance, if you're working in a business and you know you have some most important customers, you have some most important products, it's always uh, rational to check your evaluation against some of the most important things. The, the context is always important. It's less important if you're making mistakes on your, uh, let's say, less lucrative products than, than if you're making mistakes about the most important ones. The 80-20 exists in a lot of businesses, and and that's just one direction where your evaluation uh, should be aware of. Yeah,
0: I think that's a really important mindset to have for data scientists working businesses because not everything is equal. Not all the customers are are of the same mm-hmm. value. And it's much better to make mistakes that cause the company ne- less money, than mm-hmm. you, uh, like you mentioned. And I think also one of the challenges in business, I think you were talking about that already, is that a lot of times there is no convenient existing ground truth there. You either need to really dig deep to find something or it's just not there.
1: Yeah, that's a very unfortunate situation in a lot of uh, cases where of course by definition you go in, in a new domain and you wanna bring value by, by doing, for the first time, innovative data science projects. And in many of these situations, especially in, uh, in businesses, you might run into problems that are being solved for the fir- very first time. Or you might run into problems that nobody made the ground truth available about. For instance, if you're processing images of a very specific type of product and, you want, and you're working on labeling them or categorizing them, if, nobody, if, if a data set for this is not available outside, then, then you just don't have anything to, to start with. And that's a situation where you really need to think about how can I make some ground truth? How can I how can I, how can I generate it? How can I buy it? How, how how can I make a process that collects it? And these are all very valid problems that you need to solve as a data scientist. And it's the kind of problem that you're probably unprepared for if you're just coming out of university or if you just always work with data sets and situations where everything was ready except the modeling part.
0: And there I would really like to add one thing. So this could be obvious for some data scientists or some companies, but it could but we also have seen cases that this is really not so obvious, which is it's okay to spend money to gather ground truth Absolutely. data, right? Because even just from a pure business perspective, the value of data science work that you are working on very much really rely on in a lot of cases, Mm -hmm. the quality of the ground truth that you are gathering and how well you use that to evaluate basically the quality of your model or your algorithm, whatever it is. From a business perspective, a lot of times it's a Mm non-brainer investment to say, of course we can spend 10,000 euro to gather this. Of course we can spend 2,000 euro for this because given the impact, again, depends on the the product and the uh, solution you're working on. But usually the investment, the return on investment is easily tenfold, twentyfold. So if you are in doubt, don't worry about spending money on ground truth. Explain that to your product manager or the business side, and they should get this quite easily.
1: One way to look at it is that if you do not have a ground truth or do not have other means to evaluate the quality of your work, it's always a question. I mean, besides your faith in the work that you did and probably some belief in the tools that you're using, uh, you, you haven't done a measurement uh, to, to evaluate your output. No business should accept this. And I think no data scientist should accept this either.
0: Yeah, some of you would think, okay, why not just directly use online evaluation Mm. to see how good the solution we develop is. It could work in in some cases. That's totally the valid thing to do. But also, there were cases, for example, if you are creating a new type of data that you will use in an online product feature to show to the users or to try to e- change certain behavior. There are additional factors at play mm-hmm. in addition to how good your data quality is. Absolutely. right? It could be the way that this data is used in the user flow, it could be the way we show them, it could be where we expose this data. So all this has impact on online evaluation results. Right. So if that is the only thing you rely on, then you might get frustrated quite quickly because you come to the conclusion that the data is not good enough. Well, that might not be the case.
1: I think that, that that's a very nice connection you made there in the sense that in most cases, or in a lot of cases, especially when some form of A-B testing is available to data scientists, implicitly at least, there are these phases of offline and online evaluation. Before evaluating something online on real customers, you want to have some idea that this is good enough to, to be tested, at least. Yeah? If you're not optimizing for to, to, to reach for some measure, at least you want to have some good enough standards. And that's another issue in evaluation, which is not really traditionally academic. Uh, in a way or or not really practice before you start working in the sense that it opens up the relation between these two dimensions of quality, first of all. What are you going to gain in your online test if you make a 5% improvement in your offline evaluation? It opens up this connection between your offline and online KPIs that are not necessarily the same, but sometimes you have to choose proxies.
0: Yeah, and just right there, I think also it's beyond just having ground truth Mm-hmm. And for, uh, for offline evaluation, we have also seen cases where actually there is no ground truth. Yeah. Or at least it's very doubtful whether you can come up with something that you can call ground truth.
1: Yeah, it's, it's again, I think, another exercise to think about how, how can I measure quality? How, mm-hmm. how, can I, how can I measure the correctness of my data or whatever is, is the other KPI?
0: I think for people that might not have come across those kind of situations, maybe we can give an example from um, our previous work on mm-hmm. this type of challenges.
1: We yeah? had, had this data processing system whose goal was to assign a destination to some accommodation based on the different information that we had about accommodation. Let's say it could be the geocodes or their address or a combination of these two. And on the level of the cities, we wanted to correctly assign a hotel or an accommodation to to the right city. And when you when you start this task, uh, there is there is no real ground truth. It becomes a problem of finding questions that that could be correlated to, to your evaluation metrics or thinking about your problem, mm-hmm. and uh, and what um, does or does not make sense about the output of your system.
0: Yeah, I think there I I recall when we first start discussing this challenge with other part of the business and then we always got into this almost philosophical discussion is that what if a hotel is at the border of two destinations then where does it belong to and which one is the ground truth so i think sometimes there is a intellectual tendency to discuss this from a philosophical from in the ideal world how do we approach this perspective but if we just accept that there is no ground truth then we look at this from a complete different perspective. Mm -hmm. Then we start asking the question like, knowing that there's no ground truth, how do we know the data is good enough? Well, if the data is not good enough, what would you expect to see? And that is where we started looking into this. And then what we ended up with is a set of heuristics that we say, it doesn't make sense for any accommodation, regardless of how the system is, be assigned to a destination more than Fifty kilometers away, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense for a uh, accommodation to be assigned to a country-level destination that is not a country of a a city that is within the country. So those kind of heuristics, actually, you can quantify them. And also, once you have an iteration, you have certain heuristics. You discuss this with the business or other at the, at the adjacent teams that you can that will use this data, they probably come back with another feedback on say, OK, but what about this and what about that? And those are the things you can, again, include in your evaluation of the data.
1: That requires you to put uh, another hat on, maybe forgetting about ready-to-use metrics and, and data, and then just questioning your data, being a skeptical about it, uh, maybe finding really bad cases, cases that would really stand out there and see how often you see them. And it's interesting, whenever you produce a massive amounts of data, especially when based on publicly available or some kind of important uh, pieces of information like addresses or geocodes of the hotels from uh, from different sources, how much noise and how much problems you, c- you, you can have there? and mm-hmm. How easy would it be to find the most embarrassing ones? And uh, Although we, we might not be able to to, to evaluate our work in, in the most traditional way, there's definitely ways to know more about the quality of uh, your data by by putting the hat that you talked about, by thinking about different words and what what things look like in those words and then asking the relevant questions
0: yeah and it's also very important to systematize it uh, build it into the code so that as the solution you create continuously update those data Hmm. you can still check them against these criterias and make sure that over time it doesn't create uh, data that is undesirable
1: And, and i believe that's another dimension of evaluation which is not Typically looked at a lot because we we always think about one-shot uh, problems of I want to do this great classification I want to do this great uh, clustering and rarely go into maintenance of system. So, for instance, a, uh, a quality assurance system that just compares your output from yesterday to your output from today can find out potentially a, a lot of big problems that 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 happen from from one day to another. These kind of evaluations are again in the range of things that. Could bring a lot of value and are not always at the top of our heads when we are thinking about evaluating our work. Yeah, the cases
0: that you mentioned is specifically relevant for data scientists Mm -hmm. because if you are working on a data science project that is important important for the business, chances are you have a certain volume of data, you have certain complexity, they are Mm -hmm. adjacent systems that either create input data for your solution or consume the output data of your solution. And in those cases, it's really important to not assume that the input data will always fall into a similar pattern than you expected before. Mm-hmm. I think in machine learning, they, uh, this is a topic that we we'll discuss a lot. On the other hand, we have seen a lot of cases that in production systems, sometimes even this is overlooked and create problems that only much later people find out and say, wow, wish we should have place to catch, uh, catch this kind of things a lot earlier.
1: That's a great uh, angle to, to look at this problem as well. Uh, a lot of times, the system you build might be great. And it might work great when, when, when the input is correct. But even if an input from an adjacent team starts to change, the output of that system might, might not be uh, up, par, up to par with what you expect from it. Again. This is evaluation. Again, this is this is what you, as the owner of that system, should be on top of. First of all, ideally, you should detect it in, in your output, in, in, your, in your final evaluation when you see it, and then be able to, of course, trace it back to, to the root cause of it. The point is that the first step is being aware of something in the output is going wrong. And then, of course, in this case, you, you can trace it back and find out that it wasn't your fault. It, it, it was somewhere in, in, in the input that was coming to your system. But yeah, especially when you think about this interconnected network of data inside organizations, that, that becomes a crucial aspect as well.
0: Yeah, I think we cover a lot in the episode again. Going back to the tradition, what would be the one practical thing we can advise people to do tomorrow, given everything we discussed? I think it's about taking the most important project you're working on and just check with the business side on your evaluation criteria. Mm -hmm. how you are going to evaluate the output of your project and how does that fit in the intended use of that data from the product or the business side. I think if you have not had that conversation, you will really learn something really interesting about the business or the product that you're
1: working on. I think think that's great advice. All
0: right, everyone, thank you very much. This is another episode (laughs) of uh, Naked Data Science. See you next time. Just one last thing before you go. If you are not a data scientist yet, but want to become one, you should really attend our webinar. We will demystify the transition into data science. We'll show you the most effective way to build your skills, and we'll advise you on the four possible options you can take to go from where you are to landing a data science job in as little as nine months. Find out more at nds.show forward slash webinar. That is nds.show forward slash webinar. All right, that's the end of this episode. Have a nice day.